What is up, guys? Welcome to the third out. This is Bryson French here with Noah Witzke. Today, we are going to go over the top 10 right fielders going into the 2022 season. Uh, opening day is just around the corner, about, what, two weeks now, two and a half weeks uh, mm -hmm. until opening day is here. Yeah. Um, I know this is a different day for us to be dropping a podcast on. It's a Saturday morning when this is coming out. But we're going to change it up. We're going to do two this week. We're going to drop this one, which is our right fielder list. And then later on uh, Sunday, our normal day, we are going to come out with a just a, another general podcast. We're going to talk about more of the news. And then we're going to get into another exciting segment on Sunday. But for today, we're just focusing on the right fielders. We did this position a little earlier in the year, Noah. Uh, you want to talk about just some of the general changes and stuff that we made to that and what's different about this list? Yeah, so the list of that we did during the season was kind of, you know, who's having a good year that year. Uh, this one is looking into next season, you know, who we have, who we think is going to make a big jump. Um, so there are a few new names on this list. Uh, there's a lot of the same names, just different positioning here. But it should be pretty interesting. Uh, a couple of them may surprise you. Yeah. And before we get started, I will mention for Blue Jays fans, Teoscar Hernandez has been moved to the DH list. Um, on the Blue Jays depth chart, he is listed as a DH. So we put him on the right field list back in, when we were going through this in the year. He'll play a good amount of games in right field, I'm sure. But as of right now, on the depth chart, he is listed as a DH. So we moved him off this list. Um, also... Other one that's a little confusing now is uh, Nick Castellanos. He signed with the Phillies, but we made this list and we'd already done the left fielder list before this signing happened. So Castellanos is probably going to be a DH or a left fielder now with Harper there. Mm -hmm. But again, we had already done the left fielder list and didn't include him in that a couple weeks ago. So we're going to keep him with the right fielders for now, even though he really won't play this year. So yeah, kind of kind of threw a curveball into our uh, our list there. I mean, we've had this list done for like three weeks now, Bryson. Yeah, and how long ago was it that we did the left fielders? You know, that was about four weeks ago as well. Yeah. So. All right, with that, let's start it off with number 10. Headed over to the gateway to the west, St. Louis, Dylan Carlson. Now – Carlson is a very young guy, one of the younger ones on this list at 23 years old, but he has had an impressive start to his season or to his career. That is in St. Louis, um, mm -hmm. very young and just moving in the right direction. One of the weird things about him is Cardinals are trying to, you know, form him into a leadoff hitter, which I don't believe that fits him as a person, but he is a very talented hitter one way or the other. Yeah. He and good defensively. Yeah, he, he's one of those bright upcoming stars in the league. You know, he's 23, uh, just hitting his stride. Not, I would, he's not in his prime yet, but his prime's coming. He's going to be a very, very good player for the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be, you know, I don't know that he'll ever find himself in the top three on this list. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you could see him in a four to five spot later in his career, I think. Exactly. Exactly. But I think the – probably not the, you know, top three or top four range is, is just how loaded the top half of, you know, the top five guys are in this position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the advanced metrics don't really like him. 
you know, hard hit ball percentage, those types of things, outs above average, not the best. But the traditional stats do like him. He does get a lot of uh, defensive runs saved. He um, has a good OPS, you know, just above average. He gets a decent amount of RBIs for leadoff hitters, so he gets things done. Uh, yeah, St. Louis is very lucky to have this guy. Yes, definitely one of their bright spots in that organization. Yeah. Now that'll move us to Miami, the number nine spot. The Marlins' new acquisition, Avisel Garcia. Now he was taken from the Brewers, mm-hmm. and the Brewers took Hunter Renfro. Now I believe Garcia is the better option than Renfro. Um, but yeah, Miami doesn't have a center fielder. And that's, you know, a discussion we can have for another day. The fact that they really don't know what they're doing in center field. Um, but, you know, obviously I've got, he's got this corner locked down here. I think he's an incredibly talented piece. Advanced statistics are really good and just like definition of consistency as far as mm-hmm. right fielders go, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's been pretty consistent, you know, for the last couple of years. Um. Yeah, I, I would say I agree with you between Garcia and Renfro. Garcia is the better of the two, the better option there. Um, yeah. Now, he is very similar to Carlson in a lot of statistics. Um, mm-hmm. The war, Garcia is a little behind. He has a 2.9 to Carlson's 3.2. Um, he, let's see, what else? He had about 20 more RBIs. Um, we kind of know he was – one of the main offensive pieces that was actually doing well last season for the Brewers. So that was a big deal. Uh, defensively, he's a little bit better. Um, but just like the advanced statistics really like him better. The ball just comes out off his bat a good bit harder. Mm-hmm. That moves us up to the other part of Florida where we have uh, Manuel, excuse me, for Tampa Bay Rays, Manuel Margot. Now, Margot also, we're kind of working the wrong way when it comes to war. We're moving back, back down from 2.9 to 2.8 now. But, yeah, Manuel may struggle a little bit at the plate, but he is insanely good at defense. And, you know, he's also in his prime. He's 27. Um, but one of the things I really like about him is he's a little bit more disciplined at the plate. So where we saw Garcia, you know, he has the high exit velocity. We see Manuel here. He just doesn't strike out, which is a little bit unusual for Tampa hitters. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like what he brings to the table here. And he is somewhat new to the league as well. He hasn't been around as long, mm-hmm. even though he is 27. But, yeah, best defensive right fielder. See that? Outs above average of 99. Yeah. I see. And that is, that's the highest on the list here. He's like, uh, yeah. Pretty significant margin. Oh, yeah. I mean, right fielders are not known for defense, and this is a guy yeah. who actually has really good defense mm-hmm. by any outfield standards, really. Yeah, exactly. And he's one of those guys you could probably put in any three of the uh, outfielder slots, and his defense would be just as good in any of those. Yeah. And he, uh, I think, personally for me, I just think he's, his career is going to take a turn for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, he's working in the right direction. I think this may be the year where he becomes an above-average hitter type year for him. Mm-hmm. I can see that as well. 
So that'll move us to number seven. We're going to move to the Phillies acquisition. It kind of surprised me how low he fell on this list, and that is Nick Castellanos. Now, I think I don't remember precisely where we had him in our ranking earlier in the year. I want to say it was fifth. It was maybe pretty high. Yeah, it was, it was higher up there. Maybe third. It was five, four, three. Mm-hmm. But with that, though, with that, we discussed a lot is the traditional stats like him, the advanced stats do not like him. So things like war, um, you know, OPS plus, uh, defensive run saved, outs above average, he looks really bad in those. And, you know, again, right field, he is not a good defender. He's probably going to spend a lot of time at DH. Um, mm-hmm. The Phillies have no defense whatsoever as a team because they have Schwarber, Castellanos, and Harper right now yes. in the outfield. That's like the worst defensive. They're, they're literally the worst defensive team in the league last year, and they didn't get any better. So, you know, we're going to put the defense aside. He's right fielder, left fielder. Defense doesn't matter as much there. He might be DHing a lot. His offense is really good, though, and that's what moves him up here on this list mm-hmm. where he is. But, uh, yeah, a big traditional stat guy, you know, the 100 RBIs, the 34 home runs, and, you know, an above 300 average. You know, that's what you really find with him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with that signing, you're obviously not signing with uh, the intentions of uh, good defense. I mean, his offense is what gets him his his money and his playing time there. Yeah, I don't really see – I don't see him playing in outfield much now or uh, right you know, like we said, DH, left field. But, yeah, I mean, he just he is one of those players that has, you know, probably one of the biggest bats in the league. And gets overlooked a lot. I mean, yes. when you say that, you know, there's a lot of other names that rush to mind, but, like, he is an amazing hitter. Yeah, he he's a very good hitter, and he's probably one of the most underrated hitters, too, at the same time. Yeah. He kind of falls into a Michael Brantley category, mm-hmm. you know, about it. and he's not as old as you would think. Like, no. I f- feel like Nick Castellanos is like 32 at this point, but he's 29. Yeah, he he still probably has, you know, a good probably six years left of producing. Yeah, he's, got another, he's got another three years of producing at the insane level that he's producing at now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hats off to the Phillies for, you know, I feel like he's a good piece to add, so. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's probably one of the most underrated signings of the uh, of free agency. Yeah. That moves us now to number six. And we will stay within the division. This division, the NL East, is packed here. We have Brandon Nimmo for the Mets. Now, Nimmo was injured a good bit, played only half a year. Mm-hmm. But he also is a defensive gem, just like uh, Manuel for Tampa Bay, but we continue to find our war climbing up here. We are now up to a 3.6. He's 28 years old, so a year younger than Castellanos. Um, yeah, but the offense offense is better than what Manuel had, and it's not much worse than what Castellanos had, offensively speaking. Yeah. From an advanced point of view, at least. Um, you see the, the 23 – Runs above average. Castellanos had 14. And 
Yeah, as far as the advanced things go, he walks a lot. He doesn't strike out a lot. He doesn't chase pitches out of the zone at all. So, like, really disciplined, fast guy, a lot of defense. So, Mets, Mets made some moves in the offseason, but this is a good guy to, to bring back and keep on the team, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I was the Mets, that was one of the guys that uh, I would have wanted to bring back. They brought him back. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to have a little a breakout season there. Because he um, is underrated. Yeah, I, he's very underrated. Uh, I mean, his defense and then his offense, you know, it's not amazing, but, I mean, it gets the job done. Yeah. And it, like, a 132 OPS plus, Castellanos had a 136. Mm-hmm. Like, that's incredibly close. And, you know, um, I feel like everybody knows he's a really good defender, but there's so many other bats in the Mets lineup that it's like, ah, Nemo's, he's just there for this defense. Exactly. Like he has an offensive contribution to this team, though. Exactly. If he was on another team, maybe he would get a little bit more recognition. But, I mean, since that – I mean, that Mets lineup at times can be pretty loaded offensively. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now that moves us to the number five spot. We're going to head out to Los Angeles and Mookie Betts. Now, this may surprise some people. It may not surprise other people. But Mookie Betts is, if you ask certain people who their top five players in the game were, Mookie Betts may land in some top fives. So he may even land in some people's top three. Yeah. And it may be a little easier to see a year or two ago, back when he made his MVP runs. <laughs> but he's still a really good player. Oh, yeah, he's, he's an excellent uh, player. He is, but right field is stacked, first off. So yes. nothing, you know, nothing against him. Right field is stacked. And it has been a bit of a down time for him recently. Um, it's still not bad. He's just not, you know, he's not in the Mike Trout category of things right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, he has a war of 4.2, and he played in 122 games. That's so a decent amount. He's 29 years old, so he's still a good age. Uh, hitting leadoff, you know, just um, very a lot of impact there for the Dodgers. But defensively, he's not that great. He has 30 outs above average. Um, you know, decent jump, all that stuff. But he's a very good hitter. And it's mm-hmm. hard to, to know what he does great because he doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but he hits, you know, more than average home runs. He, you know, hits the ball. You know, the exit velocity is just a little above average. He barrels it up about average. He strikes out less often than average, but not, like, incredible. He gets a good amount of walks, but not an insane amount of walks. So it's kind of all those things of, like, he doesn't have a weakness in his game, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, something that could really be liked. But he's not where he was a couple years ago where he was just better at every part of the game than everyone around him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's – He's went downhill a little bit, but I don't think it's out of the question that he gets back to where he was, too. Um, You know, he's only 29, so he's probably got, you know, three years left of his prime or could be his prime, maybe. To the super prime. Yeah, yeah, like like his MVP type type prime. He can still make all-star games a couple years after that, but, like – Exactly, yeah. Like, his 
MVP level type play. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's a very good player. You know, as a Yankees fan, you know, kind of gave us nightmares there for a while. Glad to see him in L.A. It is a question of how he's going to age. A player like him that does rely on more athleticism than you know, some of the other players we have here. Um, yeah, what is you know what does he do as he ages? You know, if he loses his speed, we already see his defense is not the greatest right now. Like, you know, so that is a question to consider. But it's not a question to consider this year. And this ranking mm-hmm. is for this year. So exactly. Yeah, but that will come into play sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Moving up now. We have in the number four spot a player who could have been significantly higher. This player could have landed all the way up to second place, I believe, uh, when I was doing the actual numerical calculation of where these guys should land. This is Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker, excuse me, Kyle Tucker for the Houston Astros. I believe we take a big jump here from the five to the four spot because from four on up, these guys are guys that can make runs for MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, in a given year right now. And Kyle Tucker had a 5.7 war. And we kind of know if you have a war of six or more, that's MVP level war. So he had a 5.7. He is incredibly young. He's 25 years old. He mm-hmm. played in 140 games. So he stays healthy. 92 RBIs. Um, hitting in Houston. He's got a lot of protection. Um, it was not his rookie season, but, you know, it was his breakout season there. First year, he had a real impact. And defensively, this is the first guy we've seen that has incredible offense with incredible defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every st- every category on, on this list we have is, I mean, well above average. Yeah. He's got no weakness to his game. No, not at all. He, uh, he had a batting average of 294 and he had over 30, he had exactly 30 home runs last season, I believe. So those are big power numbers for right builder. So that's nice to see as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he walks above average. He has good discipline as far as strikeouts and like with percentage chase rate, all that. Um, but he hits the ball incredibly hard. His average exit velocity was in the 85th percentile. Um, the expected Wilbo was in the 93rd percentile. Like, you know, all these things like, he is just an incredibly good hitter, but then you factor in the fact that he has good defense as well. He is, he's, he's underrated right now. And then maybe that's just because he broke out so recently. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because of, you know, the light that Houston is in now, even though he came onto the scene after the scandal, you know, he's still, you know, an Astro and, you know, everyone, the Astros are the cheaters, you know? Yeah. So that may be a part of it as well, but, but this guy deserves some attention and he's not getting it right now. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think with him being so young and his breakout season last year, I think a lot of people are looking for that second year, you know, to really judge him. Uh, but I, th- I think he's going to make an even bigger jump this year. Yeah, like you said, I think any one of these next four, I mean, you could have shuffled any, any way. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we could be at the end of the season, this guy could have been – could be playing better than the guy we have number one. So, and that takes us now to number three. This was a guy that also could have fallen anywhere in the one to four range. This is Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Now, Aaron Judge does what he does better than anybody else in the game. 
and he hits the ball harder than anybody else in the game. Like, look, look at the three top statistics with hard hit ball rate. You have average average exit velocity, you have max exit velocity, and you have hard hit ball percentage. All three of those, he's in the 100th, 100th percentile. It means he does it better than anyone else in the game. Um, his expected Woba, his expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, his barrel percentage, all those things, 90th and above. Actually, like 90, 99, 98, 98, and 96 percentile. Where he struggles a little bit, though, is strikeout percentage and then a little bit on defense, basically. All right. So, you know, with him and Tucker, you know, it's a little, you know, can be hard to judge. Do you want a guy who hits the ball in the 85th percentile but doesn't have a weakness? Do you want a guy who hits it harder than anybody else but, you know, struggles a little bit on defense? You know, I think they're both really good players, and that's the only way to state it, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't can't say much more than that. I mean, Aaron Judge, I mean, the way he hits the ball, I mean, he hits it so hard, you know, so far. I mean, he's like he's what six eight two fifty five, something crazy like that. I mean, he's more than that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he's just crazy. He's in a contract year this year, or trying to get his extension done. So of course he's going to be playing. You know, those best six seven two eight. Yeah, six seven two eight. Yeah, that's a big guy. Yeah. So he's 29 years old, so he's a little bit older than Tucker. He had a war of six right on that MVP level line. He played 148 games, 98 RBIs. A lot of people kind of thought it was a bit of a down year for him. I honestly did. His OPS plus was 149, but his career average, this is kind of insane to me, his career average for OPS plus is 150. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. He, uh, like... You take that 150 career average, that's higher than almost anyone else on the list. Like Tucker last year had a 147, and like nobody else on this list was even close to 140 or 150. Like we had Castellanos was in the 130s, and that's about it. And then you got Tucker at 147. And then Judge's career, that's insane. Um, runs above average, he had 38 to Tucker's 37. So those two are like incredibly close, but, uh, defense, defense is a bit of a struggle again with 40th percentile and outs above average. So just a little below average, which is still pretty good for a right fielder considering how bad the other right fielders are at defense. So not knocking that, but yeah, he could have an MVP year and yeah, just really waiting for him to get that, you know, another one in there here soon. Yes. I mean, I, I, I would not be surprised at all if that was this year. Oh, yeah, very true. Especially, you know, with that division, there's going to be a lot of – people are going to be paying a lot of attention to that if he has mm-hmm. a good year. Exactly. That would mean exactly. a lot. I mean, yeah, with this – with that whole division being under the microscope that I think – or that we think it'll be under this year, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him. He's going to get a lot of coverage. So the hype around him and, and is going to be insane. Absolutely. Yeah. And that moves us to the number two spot. So another division that's actually going to be really intense. Our second Philly on the list, Bryce Harper. So Harper had a war 5.9. 
Again, Judge had a six. Harper, the same age as 29 years old. He played 141 games, and his OPS plus was 179. That's insane. That is, that is absolutely incredible. Runs above average was 40 to Judge's 38 to Tucker's 37. So they're all really close there. And again, we have a guy that percentile-wise, he's just 90th and above and everything. And his weaknesses are defense and maybe strikeouts, you could say. Yeah. Um, but, like, everybody has a weakness with strikeouts, except Tucker, apparently. Yeah. Really? But that's the way things roll. Again, defense is a little worse than even Judge. But, yeah, he had an incredible year this year. And he's had a number of incredible years across his career now. So, two-time MVP. It's hard to mm-hmm. argue with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Bryce Harper's – he's one of my, my favorite players in the league. You know, him and Judge both, uh, you know, big Harper and Judge guys. I mean, and they're they're very similar in a lot of ways. I mean, but I can't – that OPS plus of 179, I mean, that's absolutely insane. Yeah, and he has a career average of one of 142 with his OPS plus as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not too far off too far. of uh, Judge's 150. Yeah, and it's been a longer career, too, for him in the MLB. Yeah. So, two-time MVP, he led the league this year in slugging and OPS, and he had a batting average of 309. So that, I think, sums it up really well. Like, you're leading the league in the most important hitting categories, and then you had a batting average of 309. You hit it above 300 as a power hitter. that's, That's just incredible. Yeah. And he started the season in a slump, too. He did, too. Yeah. Really, the I don't want to say the whole first half of the year he was in a slump, but the, the that whole first half of the year, I mean, he wasn't having an amazing season. He was having a you know average season for Harper. And then that second that second half when he was making that MVP push, I mean, he just yeah. I mean, carried the Phillies not to the playoffs, but I mean they got close. I mean, just yeah. by himself. Because there was not a lot of other help coming from that Philly squad last year. No, Despite the talent that they had. It's some, some coming from the pitching staff, not coming mm-hmm. from the bullpen, not coming from the defense, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. My biggest memory with Bryce Harper is back when he was with the Nationals and they did make the playoffs. They played a three-game series against the Reds. Mm-hmm. And they got smacked in three games. And in those three games, Bryce Harper hit three home runs. And it was basically like the only runs that the Nationals scored was just directly from Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, a lot of the flack that he gets is, you know, for leaving the Nationals and then, yeah, they, they win the World Series without him. You know, everybody hears about that. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, people dogging for not making the playoffs or not getting getting anywhere in the playoffs. Like, he played three games and hit three home runs. What else do you want him to do in the playoffs? He is clutch. He cares about winning and he did everything he could for his team. He always has. So. Exactly. Yeah. But that was not even factored into this list as well. But yeah, I just always think of that when I think of Bryce Harper and how good of a player he is. That takes us though to the number one spot. I believe again with Carlson. Youngest guy, 
on this list, Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now Juan Soto is one of those guys that you, I mean, you look at that age of twenty three, and it jumps out at you because he's been in the league since he was eighteen. Yeah, yeah. He had a WAR of seven point one to Harper's five point nine and to Judge's six. He played 151 games, so just a little, you know, basically played every game of the season. And he had an OPS plus of 175, and that's right behind Harper's league leading 179. So he was right there with Harper. His career OPS plus, again, it hasn't been the longest career, but his career OPS plus is 160. So you take his career OPS plus, and it's higher than everyone's single season high except Harper's. Yeah. Um, runs above average. This is this is where the massive jumps come in. Uh, Bryce Harper and Judge. Judge had 38 runs above average. Harper had 40 runs above average. Juan Soto had 51 runs above runs above average. That is an 11 run difference right there. That's kind of big. And then defense. He's actually good at defense. He's in the 90th percentile and outs above average. So he actually. I know kind of coming into last season, people were saying the big weakness with his game was defense. And he actually took a lot of time to actually get better at defense. So he did improve in that part of his game. This is another guy. um, He's like Kyle Tucker. He doesn't have a weakness in his game, but unlike Kyle Tucker, he does everything better. Like Kyle Tucker does things above average. Like, you know, 70 to 80th percentile range, a couple of things in the 90th percentile. Juan Soto, everything's just like in the 90th percentile. Like he doesn't even strike out. He is literally the best at not chasing pitches out of the zone. He's the best. Obviously he got walked a lot last season just because he has no help in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything, everything is so high up in the percentiles. Yeah. And he led the league in walks and on base percentage. Obviously, that was more so due to not having help in the lineup, though. But yeah, yeah, there. Was I would a- personally say he's the best hitter in the league right now. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a reason why uh, when that the Nationals were cleaning house, you know, he, he was the one guy they kept. That has to do with youth too. You know, you want mm-hmm. to keep your young cornerstone. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is an incredible talent. And it's really unfortunate that we moved Acuna to the center field list because the debate for Soto versus Acuna is incredible. Yes. Uh, yes. We're not going to be able to get into that. But, yeah, Juan Soto, when it comes to just hitting, I don't think he can be matched, really. I mean, Harper comes close. But you got to think, Harper has six years of experience on this guy right now. Mm-hmm. And the argument could be made that that soda is better. So, yeah. 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 But that's our top 10 list. We're going to go through the honorable mentions as well here. But I was just going through this again. Now, when we make this list, we don't, you know, come up with all these names and then subjectively rank them. We actually have um, a bit of like a numerical system, how we do this by looking at their stats, try to make it as unbiased as possible. But as I do this every time, it basically comes out to that the people with a higher runs above average end up just being higher in the rankings. Mm-hmm. 
So like we had Soto with 51, Harper with 40, Judge with 38, Tucker with 37, Mookie with 25, Nimmo 23, Castellanos 14, Margot 11. And we had this one flipped. Obviously, Garcia had 13. And then Dylan Carlson at 13. So other than like our last three, everybody was in perfect order with the runs above average. Mm-hmm. Manuel Margot should have been 10th. And then that would have been it. But yeah, maybe I, maybe I should stop wasting my time coming up with these sophisticated algorithms to calculate which players are better and just go off that one stat maybe. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that that'll, that'll save you a couple of days of your life. It truly would, it truly would. Um, as far as the honorable mentions, though, we got Oscar Colas for the for the uh, White Sox. Again, this is a predictive list, and I am predicting personally that he's going to have a really good season. But it's hard to predict somebody who's never had a plate appearance in the MLB. Um, again, I'm trying to do this numerically, you know, come up with some sort of, you know, standings for that. But, yeah, this is a guy who played in Japan from Cuba. I think he's going to be really good, though, this year. Mm-hmm. Going to be a big help for the White Sox, especially because they need a right fielder. I did make this list, though, before spring training started, and spring training has started, and um, the rumors are Ioannis Cespedes' brother is looking really good for the White Sox in right field, though. So, But I think the White Sox have the ability to find a really good right fielder to come out this season, mm-hmm. one way or the other, whoever they decide to roll with. We have Mitch, Han- Mitch Hanniger for the Mariners had a 100 RBI season, came back from an injury, and then – played 157 games. That's incredible. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, he's 31 years old. He is above average offensively. He had an OPS plus of 122. We had Hunter Renfro from the, from the Red Sox, but now playing with the Brewers. Again, he kind of is the Alessio Garcia replacement at this point. He was slightly above average offensively with the 112 OPS plus. He played 144 games against basically playing the entire season. And again, defense is really bad. Same as Hanniger. Adam Duvall for the Braves actually found his way. I wasn't even thinking he would be anywhere close to this top 10 list, but he was getting close. He had a war of 3.1, which was higher than some of the guys that we did have on the list. But he had other struggles. He was Good defensively, but I just am not the biggest fan of him offensively. Actually, career average is below average offensively. He had an OPS plus over his career of 98, and this season he had an OPS plus of 102. So, I mean, I feel like if you're going to be in right field, you need to be a really good hitter, mm-hmm. and he's an average hitter. Yeah, exactly. I think that – I mean, at some some point or a couple years ago, I probably – he Back when he was with the Reds. Yeah, yeah, his years with the Reds, he played well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had this conversation about Duvall with the Braves on uh, if if they needed to add another outfielder or not. Um, yeah. So uh, he he's a solid player. He's not he's obvious, he's not top ten though. Yeah, I am surprised how close he found himself to this top ten list though. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, it was almost more defensive than offensive for how he found himself this close, honestly. So, 
Yeah, guys, that is our top 10 right fielders list. I will run through it again one more time just so you can you can hear it again. Dylan Carlson, number 10, playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. For the Marlins at number nine, we have Abasil Garcia. For the Rays at number eight, we have Manuel Margot. We have for the Phillies at number seven, Nick Castellanos. And for the Mets, number six, Brandon Nimmo. The Dodgers have number five, Mookie Betts. Kyle Tucker playing for the Astros is number four. Aaron Judge playing for the Yankees is number three. Bryce Harper for the Phillies, number two. Juan Soto for the Nationals, number one. Man, that NL East is packed. Yeah, it is. I mean, that NL East has a lot of good outfielders on it. I mean, if you consider Adam Duvall, Adam Duvall for the Braves, you include Ronald Acuna. That's two for the Braves. You have obviously El Garcia for the Marlins. You have two for the Phillies with Castellanos and Harper. You have Nimmo for the Mets. That's six right there. Yeah. I, and Soto for the Nationals. That's seven. Yeah. So Every team has one and two teams have two. Yeah. I mean, that whole uh, division has some stars in it, too. That is true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, right field, a very interesting position, a lot of offense. Mm-hmm. Speaking of offense, we'll be going to DHs next, but we have a little bit of time before we get there. Again, the season is starting soon, and we want to focus on that. So our podcast Sunday, which was basically the podcast that comes out Monday, two days for you guys after you're listening to this, we will be focusing on what was our topic? Um, oh, yeah. I think we are going to be predicting uh, a team of the year, just players that we are mm-hmm. expecting to break out. Then a week after that, we're going to do a power ranking before we get the season underway. And then we'll finally get back to the DH list. Mm-hmm. So be about three weeks before we get back to the top tens, but yeah, we already have the top 10 DHs made. And we're looking forward to getting into that, but we'll see you guys in about two days and make sure to follow us on social media to just, get the alerts for when we post new stuff. This is Bryson French and Noah Whiskey signing off. We'll see you guys later.